Welcome to the Rough Road Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Steele. Today, I am joined by a friend, uh, Josh Fuller. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? You got it, Lee. Uh, my name is Josh Fuller. I uh, live here in East Mesa. I've uh, been here for about two years. I'm originally from Idaho, and I've been slowly making my way down south to these, warm, these uh, warmer climes, if you will. Uh, I went to school in um, a couple of different places. Uh, the University of Utah was my first year of college. Uh, then I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that'll probably come up, a relative subject matter here for what we want to talk about. When I came back from my mission, I went to Weber State University for a year and then finally finished up college in southern Utah at Dixie State University. And uh, I played college basketball. That was part of the reason behind all the different moves there. And uh, after graduating from Dixie, uh, my wife and I moved down here to East Mesa. And I work as a financial advisor as far as my career is concerned. At what point did you get married? Yeah, so I met uh, I met my wife Whitney while I was at Dixie. So uh, her her parents were actually volunteering uh, in my church congregation. So I actually met them before I ever met Whitney. She returned from her mission, which was in North and South Dakota, and uh, that's when we met for a little while. She went off to school in Provo at Brigham Young and uh kind of had to play uh, the long distance game so to speak to uh so make... where were you at at that point where well, was that yeah what college were you at yeah so i was at dixie state okay so, so you're down a, south wow yeah. that's that's a drive that's like a four-hour drive or something about six hours six hours okay mm-hmm. and she had she had a violin studio that she was still keeping up with down in saint george so she had pretty valid excuses to come down every couple of weeks, which was, <laughs> I didn't complain about that at right. all. It was nice to see her and, and catch up that way. So we dated for about a year and, uh, we were married in December of 2015, day after Christmas. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, been you have great. a daughter. We do have a daughter. That's right. Do you have any announcements you want to announce? <laughs> Believe it or not, I do. We're expecting number two end of january congratulations thank you and uh boy or girl or do you know we don't know yet okay Mm -hmm. are you gonna find out uh yes we are okay it's it's kind of not day of right you're gonna find out not day of a little bit beforehand that's right so um but lydia june our our oldest she just turned one uh oh man it's been so much fun she's uh she's all smiles uh, she's starting to figure the whole sleeping thing out, which is really nice <laughs> for mom and dad. We're we're grateful for that, and uh, just been been a lot of fun uh, being her parents. Yeah. So it's fun to be a parent. Yeah, and True it's indeed. trying, but it's fun. True. I think we can definitely say the uh, <laughs> the benefits outweigh the uh, the costs there. So yeah. So I I want you to come on the podcast because <clears throat> as we went on a super activity. For the scouts, the young men in the in the ward, um, we were roommates, and we got to stay up all night. And I got to talk your ear off. <laughs> uh, learned a little bit about you, and learned that you struggle with some of the same things that I've struggled with. So, yeah, for uh, for most of my adult life, I've battled with depression uh, right. in some form or another. Um, uh, I think of, I don't know. I've thought about it here the last couple of weeks coming up to the podcast and. I think there's, I don't know, just some of those gradual changes that we all go through or some of those triggers. Right. Uh, so leaving home and kind of trying to figure out life on your own. Um, there were some road bumps that came my way as far as basketball was concerned, mm-hmm. uh, trying to juggle a busy schedule. When did you notice that you struggled with depression? You know what? I think, <clears throat> I think there were signs of it beforehand. Um, when I started to leave high school and, and maybe even at some points uh, while I was in school there, but leaving, leaving home and then... Did you go straight to college or on a mission? I went straight to college. So okay. I did one year of, of there at... Uh, at U, U, U of U? Uh, yeah, that's right. So we were at U of U, uh, played a year of college basketball, and I redshirted. So you practice with the team, travel with the team. Just don't get a play. But no game time, <laughs> um, which was... Uh, yeah. It was a tough deal. Right. I realized uh, kind of growing up playing basketball, I had always played and just been on right. teams where 
you got to play, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was that was you, kind of a did change. they make you redshirt, or did, was that a choice by you, or was it a joint choice between both of the team and you? I think it was joint. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, kind of leading up to the season, you have a few weeks beforehand to kind of gauge yourself against mm-hmm. the rest of the competition, the rest of what your team looks like. And uh, at that point, I felt like you know what, it was going to be good for me to learn. I'd come from a small market. Idaho right. was... Uh, Where in Idaho? Um, so I grew up in Pocatello. Okay, that's right. And then all of my high school years and my time playing basketball was in Rexburg. Okay. So uh, small town, booming when BYU-Idaho is in session <laughs> and a ghost town when it's not. Um, so yeah, coming to you know a D1 school like University of Utah, the likes of Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Fredette playing in the league there. I, I just felt like it was good for me to to be there, to play against that kind of competition. Right. But to, And learn. Yeah, and, and to learn. And, and not have a go against your year of playing. Exactly. Right. So I, I think in the grand scheme of things, that decision was a good one as far as... So you don't regret it at this point? You know, I don't. I don't, no. So, so you, you kind of, as you went through that first season... And that first year of college, you kind of felt the depression a little bit, kind of saw the signs of it. Yeah, there were moments where, um, God, it could be as simple as having a rough practice. Right. Where I would kind of feel that and try to shrug that off for a couple of days. Um, there was, uh, you know, after the end of that season, Coach Boylan was, uh, was let go by the university. And all of a sudden, this plan that I had kind of formulated throughout the last couple of years of my life kind of started to fall apart in that right. standpoint. Did the new um, coach not want, want you, or what was the... Yeah, Coach K, bless his heart, um, brought me into his office after kind of watching things for a couple of weeks and said, you know what, I, we hope you have a great mission. If you'd like to come back and redshirt or, or walk on again, we can see if that works out. Just very very generic very different from kind of cold-hearted yeah what the previous regime had gone through and he was coming into a tough spot and at 6-6 from idaho trying to bang against seven footers we'll bring that in (laughs) white men can't jump right as the 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 there are some that can that's fair um, but yeah, I, I don't think I met the mold as the future Pac-12 player of the year. Right. And so just as a business decision, it was, you're going to some rainforest down in South America for two years. Right. Um, so that, uh, that, that actually was a great thing in my opinion in the long term. but from where I was standing there at that point. It was it rough was, in the moment, but yeah, turned yeah. out to be good in the end. Mm-hmm. I think so. And then did, when I, did that force you to um, kind of face those demons a little, or yeah. hadn't or hadn't they shown their head all the way yet? I don't think it had quite come out okay. at that point, Lee. Um, like I said, there were there were kind of moments where mm-hmm. it would rear its ugly head, but it was it was never full force until um, I was a few more miles from home um, and <laughs> in a communication jungle. with home was a little more. <laughs> Right. Uh, a little more cut off um, and just my environment and the kind of standards that I was trying to live up to and right. and work towards, uh, you know, became sky high. So you uh, struggled with it a lot on your mission then. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's where I that's where I started to see it the most. And uh, did you talk to your mission president about it? Yeah. Yeah. Quite frequently. What was his advice? How did he help you battle it? If you, if you want to yeah. answer that, you can. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Um, you know, President Humphrey and, and his wife, Sister Humphrey, they, they were an incredible support. Um, part of that was probably that he played college basketball as right. well. So we had, we had that Something in common, common and, right. and worked that way. Um, but I, I just, it was interesting during the first couple of months of my mission, I was trying to sort through, you know, a lot of those changes that, that come at that point. You're, you're new to being a missionary. Right. You don't know, probably don't know the language yet. No, no. Um, and I had, I had taken a lot of Spanish classes before that time. So I think I put even more pressure on myself to be ahead of the game, if you will. And it turns out that they don't teach you Spanish in high school. I, I remember getting off the plane there in (laughs) Chile and I thought they were speaking Portuguese, you know, um, 
Chileans speak Spanish like those from the Bronx speak English. It's a very unique Different, dialect, right? if you will. Um, so, yeah, I think I think in the early stages, uh, I remember kind of shrugging that off again, like, "Hey, it's just because I'm new. Uh, it's just because this is different. That's that's part of why I'm I'm having these struggles, or um, you know, it can be tough to to stay motivated here. But this is just this is just part of the game. Normal in right? some parts. Um, but yeah, I think um, let's see. I was I was six weeks. Sorry, six months into my mission, and uh, my my chance to be a senior companion uh, came around. That assignment uh, was was given to me there, and uh, so I I was moved to a new area, um, kind of thrust into the. You're in charge. You're in charge. What mm -hmm. are we gonna do? You're but you're actually not. But you feel <laughs> that way, right? Yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> And then uh, I, I was serving as a district leader as well. So there was some was responsibility right. for two or three other companionships to kind of be someone that was looked to as someone who had their act together right. and that, um, you know, was, was enthusiastic, was able to keep some of those, keep discouragement um, at, at, a at check, if you right. will, at bay and, and keep pressing forward in that regard. So that's a lot of stress. Yeah, and that did was, you get called as the senior and the district leader at the same time? That was concurrent. Yeah. Wow. So um, I was never. I was a senior. That's all I ever was. Okay. Okay. I would never did anything else. I was yeah. a companion. That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting you bring that up, Lee, because I think going into my mission, my my father served in Mexico and was an assistant to the president. Right. Um, did you put pressure on yourself that you needed to do that? Oh. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and uh, I think part of that was due to my background as a college basketball player, right? right. So, I mean, points per game, rebounds per game. There's always this comparison. It's published right. in the newspaper. Right. Uh, there's win-loss records. There's state titles that are And then you got these yahoos that go like, man, why couldn't you score last night? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I came from that kind of background and thought that was really the only way I knew to, I don't know, to compete or, to judge or yourself. think about things, to judge myself. Right. Exactly. Which is not healthy because you're judging yourself against other people. Yeah. And, and it's life isn't a game against other people. It's against you. So, and there's a, I think there's a really talented pool of young people that are out serving missions. So I just, there's probably a lot more now than there was when I'm, yeah, okay. <laughs> they raised enough. the bar a little bit, <laughs> but like, I, I remember there was a guy in my mission who graduated in two years from BYU, um, several talented musicians, amazing athletes. Um, so just like, they must've to... called all like talented people to your mission because <laughs> they, um, they were all, <laughs> Never mind. I'm like, gonna... <laughs> Or maybe that maybe there was something about uh, Connecticut that was right. just like, mm, nah, we don't need the, we don't need the best here. <laughs> <laughs> they're all go, they're all going down anyway. So ah, that's in jest. That's <laughs> totally unjustly. But uh, yeah, so trying to be as funny as the funniest missionary, as right. dedicated as the most dedicated missionary, as athletic as the most right. incredible athlete out there. That was that was kind of that started to ramp right. up, you know, as well towards, towards that. And I think when those additional responsibilities came on, it's a pressure cooker. Yeah, that was, at what point did you talk to your mission president about this then this issue? It's probably when you recognized it, right? When you yeah. recognize that you were struggling mm -hmm. more than normal. So I think, I think it was probably, it was probably a month, a month into that, that new area, so maybe seven new months responsibility. Yeah. So seven months in, I had had a month to get used to the area. Right. So I knew it wasn't the fact that I didn't know where I was riding my bike or right. I didn't know anyone. I had started to meet people and to feel comfortable that way. And I was still just, um, Oh, having trouble getting out of bed. Right. Um, leaving the apartment was really difficult. I mean, what if, what if people reject us? What if we don't find people to teach? What if, right. what if we don't meet some of the goals that we've placed on ourselves? That was just, that became very, 
very much a hurdle that just felt higher and higher that right. it was it was going to be hard or impossible for me to get over. I think I think pr- I think everyone puts pressure on themselves like that when they're in that situation mm-hmm. of you know what if we don't find people or what if this what and you look back on I look back on it and I look I think it didn't matter like it, who cares if you mm-hmm. like if you're doing the best you can that's that's it right. like if if your leaders are you know, normal people, mm-hmm. they'll understand that you're doing the best you can and it's just not there right now or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think, but it's hard in that moment to, to recognize that. Absolutely. And, and this was, this was, this was new for me. Were you 18 or 19? Let's was see. It? I was, I was 19 at 19. That time. Okay. Yeah. You went when you were 18 though, right? Mm. Was that, was that a fact then? Or that no? wasn't a provision. Okay. That actually, that was just a few years ago. You're that, right. That came about while I was in Chile on okay. my mission. So. so, yeah. So you were 19. So you're still young. Mm-hmm. You know, those are things that you kind of. I don't know. I, I kind of just stopped caring at that. Like, <laughs> I don't care what people think. You know. Yeah, and I think that was that was part of my my path to recovery was to let go right. of some of that. Um, Quit being your worst judge, your worst critic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so when that, so you go and talk to him. So I, I, I talked with my mission president. I, I talked with his wife. Were um, you nervous to talk to him about it? Yeah, because, no. um, well, I mean, in, in, in simple terms, you know, president was the one who decided who his assistants were. Right. So <laughs> this know, might, this dream, this expectation that I had of, right. of meeting that, of, of being a leader, Following your dad's footsteps, as talented, right? You know, he was he was going to be a direct judge of that. So if I was if I was weak or struggling in his eyes, then you know that was that was kind of the end of the game. Yeah, but you look back on it, and they claim that that's all decided by God, right? Like, right, right. Um, so it was probably a worry that you didn't need to worry about, really. Mm-hmm. No. Looking I, back on it, I agree I kn- with you. But I, but I know, in the moment, it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. I, I always had a hard time talking to my mission president. It was, I dreaded, I dreaded talking to him. <laughs> and he was a great guy. Just, I don't know. I was intimidated. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that I was in that pressure cooker that right? we talked about, some of those, the extra elements kind right? of combined, and the fact that. You know, we had had a good rapport. We had that kind of shared experience in basketball and in business. You know, it came to the point where, I, I mean, those were my options. It right. was it was stay in bed and feel miserable about and get yourself. sent home because you're not working. <laughs> yeah, or you know, I need I need some help. I right. need some help with this. Um, these are these are thoughts. These are feelings that. Frankly, I felt overwhelmed trying to right. make sense of. So I remember um, talking with a few missionaries, actually, some of my the frontline leaders, right. if you will, who were very supportive um, and understanding. And, uh, and did they tell you to I go talk to the president? Yeah, yeah. So they're um, like, we don't want to deal with this. You <laughs> go talk to the president. Well, <laughs> or we can't help you. <laughs> you know what? We're not qualified. I I think. It, maybe it felt that way on their end, but mm-hmm. from where I was standing, I you didn't, felt very supportive. You didn't get that feeling. I felt like, hey, this is this is something I suspect. I've seen other missionaries that work with this. It's it's something that happens. It's it's right. part of it's part of you know serving the Lord as a missionary. Um, so yeah, that uh, once I had talked with my mission president, and there was, I mean, just telling him about what I was feeling the discouragement that, uh, you know, it wasn't fleeting that working hard or finding people or, or teaching didn't really resolve that permanently. Um, that was where we looked at, you know, uh, that's where medication started to come in. There was a kind of, did he suggest going to counseling? Yeah, he did. Um, did you do it? I did. Yeah. Her name uh, was Dr. Mehmet. She was the regional health coordinator for, I think for all of Chile. Hmm. Um, headquartered out of Santiago there, which was six hours north of where we were. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was very helpful. Um, 
Call it's it a back. full wasted proselyting day. Six hours one way and then six hours back. That's fair. And it uh, it's not a wasted time, but I'm saying it as far as for proselyting, that's sure. Fair. And and I'll say that we went to I went to go meet with her once in person. Right. As as kind of a baseline to kind of Did you do it on the phone other than that? And other times it was by phone. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. So um, did you find the phone as beneficial as in person? Or you only did the one person once, so Yeah, that's true. Um you know what? I I think like you said, the majority of it was over the phone and I feel like you know, that I was able to <laughs> I, I pace, I tend to pace when I'm trying to like talk about what I'm feeling and mm-hmm. kind of get it down on paper or get it out right. of my, out of my mind and out into the airwaves. So being able to pace, you know, around our apartment and, and just have her feedback, I think was very helpful. Um, a couple of, what of, would your companion do while you were doing this? Uh, would he lock himself in the bathroom or something or the bedroom <laughs> <laughs> so you could pace the house? You know what? Um, this is, this is actually uh, kind of an important piece here, Lee. Um, my, my first companion, uh, who was my, my first junior companion, if mm-hmm. you will, um, Tim Erickson, uh, was just, he was absolutely understanding and just a very, just a le- very loving person. Right. But he didn't have a lot of context about what I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously there are struggles. He was a young missionary that wanted to work, great enthusiasm. And I was, I was working through some, some deep stuff that kind of made that difficult, you know, matching his pace and, and energy, if you will. Um, so after the, those first six weeks that we spent together, um, I was assigned to work with uh, Brian Woodbury. And this is where we kind of talk about how calls and assignments are made by right. revelation chosen by God. Um, Brian had struggled with depression for 15 years. Uh, had been on medication for 15 years, unbeknownst to uh, President Humphrey that had made that assignment. Hmm. So that had I, to have been in his medical record though. He might have known. That's fair. But, uh, but I doubt he put you together because of that. Sure. But when I think about like, again, this was me. I was new to this. I was new mm-hmm. to, the medication started to come into play and having Brian there as a, you know, a seasoned veteran, <laughs> so to say. Right. Um, he was, was the starter in the game and yeah, you were the backup and uh-huh. he was coaching you, right? Yeah. So coaching me through that, being understanding, um, saying he's I empathetic know, because he struggled with it. And that it was a very specialized empathy that he right. had. Um, so Brian, I, I think, would listen in, in in some cases to get some more context so he could help out um, and studying the scriptures or working on the language, uh, different things like that, while I was kind of speaking with Dr. Mehmet and, and trying to work through that. So when you were really down and you were with him, did you feel comfortable talking to your companion about that because of his relationship with that Yeah, I think that struggle? definitely helped. And, uh, and you know, Brian's one of my companions that I'm, that I'm closest to, um, there in that department, I think kind of going through that and working right. through that with him is, is part of the reason for that. Um, when I think about some of those conversations with Dr. Mehmet, um, I remember an article that's called, um, the critic on your shoulder. And we talk about, you know, when we're, when we're criticized, when we're own our own worst judges, it's, it's instructive to think about who that's coming from. Like what right. kind of influence is, is trying to push you that way or make you feel that way or insist that you're not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was a really important thing for me from a, that's a really hard to do though. Oh man. I tell you what, Lee, um, I, I just started a new job last month mm-hmm. and I've, I've had to like reflect back on that article mm-hmm. and like review those principles again because right. You know, it's new. I'm I'm not as skilled. I'm I'm not measuring up to right. you know what I hope to be eventually. So, you know, those are still principles that I'm trying to apply and, and trying to work through. It's it's a continuous curriculum. But being introduced to that and and thinking I think there's there's a big difference when we think about it's it's easy to say, especially when you're a missionary to look at the way that you teach or the way that you serve or the, the dedication you have 
when you are struggling with something like that, it's, it's different than struggling with basketball or struggling with, you know, school or, or different things like that because it's so closely tied to your spirituality. So when you're struggling with, you know, diligence or loving people or, or being dedicated, it's, it's a direct attack on your spiritual worth. Right. And, you know, that, that missionary environment was, was wonderful. I mean, that, that, I don't think I would have had the opportunity to learn that without being in that pressure cooker. Right. But that was, that was very difficult to, to face and, and come to grips with. I think a big part of kind of differentiating between, you know, what I, what I felt, what I was feeling and, and what I needed to listen to was a lot of the criticisms that I saw were, were very broad and very blanket. Right. So, you know, I would, I would go out and, you know, someone, someone would close the door on us yep. as it frequently was yep. the case. And, you know, it would come, you're just, you're not very good at this. Right. Or, you know, you don't love her. If you were, if you were as good as your dad, you would. Yeah. Right? Or, and, and <clears throat> well, I'll say. If you're as good as elder so-and-so. Yeah. You know. Um, quick note about my dad. Um, my dad really struggled um, at the beginning of his mission as well. He, uh, he talks about remembering the, the planes fly over his first area and wishing more than anything that he could be on one and go home. Mm-hmm. So I um, resemble that comment. Yeah. Not looking at planes. <laughs> <laughs> I no. felt a lot of those same feelings when I was there. Okay. I, I did not want to be there. Mm. I, uh, I felt like I was kind of forced into going, not forced, but really high pressured by my, mm. by my parents. Mm. So yeah, I, I, unfortunately I kind of regret actually going, but that's just, yeah, that's where I'm at now. So, so as, as far as like, as far as my dad's kind of contribution to that, um, I didn't feel like there was pressure from him or my mother to, you know, live up to that or to carry on his legacy. They, I I felt, you know, a lot of empathy for my parents as Mm -hmm. well. And I was the oldest in my family. They had never had a son or a daughter that had served a mission. So they were were kind of in uh, trying to help out and how do we provide the kind of support he needs and just an email every week. And right. So, um, so yeah, at least it was an email. Yeah, that's fair. Snail mail. Because before it was, it was regular mail. Yeah. And I know, I know, uh, in Chile, sometimes you didn't get the letters very <laughs> yes. quick. So No, that's, that's very true. Sometimes you would get a letter and then nothing for two weeks and then mm-hmm. three letters. Right. So, so little tangent there, I, I did want to wrap up that thought that those blanket statements about our worth or right. about what we're not doing very well. Um, I started to notice patterns that while they paraded around with the guys as being from God, they were, I, I believe those thoughts genuinely come from the adversary, from someone who wants us to be miserable. So that was an important distinction for me when those blanket statements came of you're not good enough or you're not this or you're not that. I started to try to identify that as, listen, that's, that's not from God. So I have a question then. Ooh. You say that. <laughs> this, uh, this is part of the reason we stayed up. So <laughs> yes, there <laughs> it is. So <clears throat> would you agree or not agree that if you have the spirit with you, then that's the spirit that's going to be able to talk to you. The Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. I, uh, that's a great question. So do you, feel, do you feel like you say that those thoughts were from the adversary? Do you feel like then you didn't have the spirit at that moment and that's why that was allowed? I don't, I don't personally believe that that's the case, but okay. I'm, I'm just curious where you're at with that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking back to... You know, in the, in the missionary, there's a section in the missionary manual that talks about how discourage, discouragement, mm-hmm. if, you, if you allow that to kind of maintain, that will lessen the influence of the spirit. So, but does that allow Satan to in, influence your thoughts? I don't think Satan can influence thoughts, personally. But. It's not a matter of influencing thoughts. But, and, and maybe we get into some of, the, some of the more advanced parts of depression about 
neurons and transmitters mm-hmm. and chemical imbalances and different things of that nature. Um, you know, that's that in my mind is part of living in a fallen world, if you will. Um, see, I, I would, I would say that those thoughts are your worst self talking. I, hmm. rather than okay. the adversary, that's just the way I look at it. Sure. That's all. So I was just curious where you, I, I'm not, trying to yeah. <laughs> not trying to trip you up or anything i'm just i'm just curious because I don't, I don't think that way but we have we have different opinions yeah. on some stuff so, so be it your worst self right be it the adversary, adversary be whatever it, it is be it something along it's not lines. healthy whatever it is it's not healthy right. and identifying that as as so um and in in that process i i started to notice that there were there were different there were different messages that were more meaningful. And more than often it started with, you know, in, in a, in a spiritual sense, first and foremost, your worth is great, right? Your worth is, is unchanging in, in God's eyes. That's, that's a principle that I believe that's something that I try to anchor myself right. to. That being said, you know, God, God has high expectations of us. He wants us to grow. I think, you know, from maybe less of a religious standpoint to translate that to other terms, it's, you know, life is about developing ourselves, yep. about growing, about learning and, and changing. Having experiences, learning from them. Yeah, exactly. And I think in in trying to kind of compress or tune out some of those general, very negative, that that kind of self-talk, I think that opened up you know, more channels to hear messages of, have you considered this specific way of, of doing that differently? Right. I found that when, when criticisms come from that higher sense of self or from the spirit, if you will, it tends to be more on the specific side. And it's always accompanied with that reminder of just so you know, even though you have this weakness or you have something that you want to right. work on, you are enough. And where you are right now, that it, it doesn't diminish your value. Right. Um, so did you find that as you were having these negative thoughts or these, I guess negative thoughts is the best way to put it. Sure. Did, did you find that you were more pessimistic during those times? Yes. Um, Yes, I think that was that was absolutely the case. Um, I I had mentioned earlier, kind of that that hurdle of not believing that anyone would listen to us, mm-hmm. you know, or not believing that we would that we would find anyone that was that wanted to hear what we had to say, or that we could help anyone, or that I could I could measure up in God's eyes or in the eyes of the other missionaries that I was comparing myself to, or to my mission president or to my parents back home, to my young siblings that were looking to me for an example. It sounds like you just didn't want to let anybody down. Yeah. And that put a lot of pressure on your shoulders. It did Lee. That was a, that was a big part of the, uh, of the pressure cooker that I was in. So you had this companion listened really well. How did the rest of mission go? Did you did you continue to get better handling this depression or? Yes, um, and it was goodness. It was it was a struggle. It wasn't a matter of of you know one or two transfers, two or three months later, right. and, and things had had resolved. It kind of like I mentioned earlier. It's it's something that from time to time still mm-hmm. is something that I have to work through. It rears its ugly head. It sure does. (laughs) So I, I think it, it got to the point where, you know, my mission president was, was very understanding. There were a couple of assignments that I was given. I I worked in the office, Mm -hmm. which kind of, that's close to AP. Yeah. Um, (laughs) it's funny that you, that you say that. Um, yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, like having the chance to—you just see don't them. have that mantle over your head, but you you do basically <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, having the chance to see the mission from a bird's eye view, um, to learn to celebrate the the successes of others, 
I think that was one of the big themes from that time that I spent in the office. Also, you get to see a lot of missionaries too that come into the office yeah. to get supplies, developing or those relationships, whatever. kind of, um, you know, that that network, a support system. Mm-hmm. Starting to see that, like, I, I wasn't alone, right, in dealing with that. Um, Maybe people my, didn't struggle as much, but everyone struggles with that. Yeah, some everyone's been depressed. Mm-hmm. I don't care who I'm you sure. are. Yeah. So, and if uh, you haven't, you will be. Right. Right. It's coming. Mm-hmm. Buckle up. Yep. In other words. Yep. Um, yeah. So I, I think about that. Did that, it kind of put it in perspective then? Seeing other people that struggled with it, that maybe you kind of felt alone before. I'm guarantee you felt alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a big problem with it, right? Um, <clears throat> did that help seeing other missionaries that struggled with it? Maybe not as severely, but still struggled. Yeah, I think it. I think it definitely, definitely helped as far as the perspective. Right. Um, in in some of those bad moments, you know, it's no one knows how you feel, or you're so alone. Right. You know, no one, no one really cares, and and having the chance to be closer to that hub, like you talked about, there's people always coming and going. Um, gave me the chance to see. It gave me some ammunition, really to shoot down those negative thoughts and you know what? I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who's going through right. this. I'm not the only one that's struggling and we're in this together. You know, that collaborative, that, that team environment yeah. that I was so, so accustomed to as a basketball player. Um, you talked about the rest of my mission. There were, there were changes that came to the medication um, mm-hmm. over time, trying to, trying to figure out what the right balance of, of that was. Um, there were new areas and, and new responsibilities and new companions. That did were, you make it to AP? I did not serve as an assistant to the president. And well, bless your heart for that. Yeah. You know what? I'm, it turns out that's not the best uh, position anyway. <laughs> You'll, uh, yeah. Um, in, in talking with a few different, few different friends that had the chance to serve in that position, it was, it's a aching, real pressure cooker there. Aching to be back in the field, you know, right. kind of doing a lot of those daily activities that missionaries become accustomed to. Um, so, and, you know, I, I served as a district leader, which was kind of that leadership position for a couple of transfers, but in, in working closely, you know, with my mission president, that was something that if, he decided. if we can back off on that, Mm-hmm. And, and let you focus on on people on on trying to do the best that you can do. I, I think that was a real that was a real gift um, that that he gave to me in that in that way um, in in trying to work through that and several more great companions um, during that time that were that were understanding of of the fact that I was you know trying to work through. Um, those emotions and learn mm-hmm. and, and grow up and, and learn how right. to, how to navigate this. Um, and so many wonderful people, um, you know, that, uh, there, be, there came, you know, into my, into my life more and more ammunition, more and more examples of there, we were going to find people right. that, that wanted to listen or, you know, it's it's not necessarily about everyone, you know, believing the same way. There's obviously, you know, some a part of that as a missionary. But even people who at the end of our time together expressed, thank you, but I, I love what I have now. And right. that was still, you know, an, an uplifting interaction, you know, to meet with people and, and, and just feel as though I was more focused on trying to help people than trying to maintain that image of that persona that other missionaries thought about that, um, that my family back home thought about me, you know, that I think that changing that focus is to this day a process. Right. Um, but I think that that was a key to, to turning the corner, so to speak, and, and getting to the point where, you know, I, I, I could keep the missionary schedule. I could, I could work through and, and help people and, and feel the spirit right. and, and some of those, those different things that, you know, I'd hoped to do, um, during my mission that way and, and stave off that discouragement and 
the feeling stuck or feeling alone. So I want to talk about after after your mission, but before we do that, um, I'm going to take a little break for the sponsors to uh, go on the podcast. So um, we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, you get off your mission. How how under control did you have this depression at that point? <clears throat> so, um, coming back from a mission was another one of. It felt like a mission transfer in some mm-hmm. ways. You're you know you're going to a new town. You're going to have a new assignment with new people. Um, but there were a lot of there were a lot of different things that came along with that too. Right. Um, I feel like at the worst of the worst, I, I felt really disconnected from my family, like right at the beginning when I was Why that, is that? that pressure cooker. You mean the very beginning of your mission or the very beginning when you got home? This was at the, at the beginning of my mission or in the, in the pressure cooker, okay. as we called it. So okay. seven months in, you know, part of, part of the, the struggle there was feeling very disconnected from my family, mm-hmm. feeling as though. Because you can't talk to them because. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And for obvious reasons, that makes sense. You're in, I was in a new country. It was, it was different. It was just immersed in this new experience. Two years felt like an eternity because I was just a, a young little kid. Um, so, you know, working through that, um, I, I don't know. There were, there were times where I truly believed like that this was my new life. Like this was just what it was always going to be like. And, I was always going to struggle with this and I was always going to, you know, have a tough time, you know, feeling like, like God knew who I was or, you know, approved of what I was doing or my efforts. So, um, so coming home and saying like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's over. I, I kind of planned my whole life for this. And this was one of my last goals to play college basketball and serve a mission and I'd never really planned, right. you know, things beyond that. So, um, kind of being back with my family, I think was a big, was a big support having the chance to talk uh, with them about it in person and, and kind of decompress, so to speak. Um, there were some exciting things that were happening, uh, as far as basketball and school were concerned. Um, I found a, a great fit there at Weber State for that first year back from my mission and loved that basketball experience and the school portion as well there. Um, kind of transitioning, if you will, back to, um, you know, life there on, on campus, kind of trying to stay involved with the, the church scene there as well and, and serving others in that way. Um, that uh, that year at Weber State, um, we had a, a really successful year. We made the the NCAA basketball tournament, um, which was one of you know my life goals. But again, I was I was sitting on the sideline. Right. So that was part of the. Did part, that did that worsen the depression, or maybe help you relapse a little? You know what? Maybe maybe in some ways, but. Um, I, I think, I think by that point, the, I had had this experience before, like I had the university of Utah right. kind of as a backdrop and thinking like, you know what, like things are going to work out some way. So I, I think that in the back of my mind kind of helped me navigate that change quite well, all things considered. Um, so I kind of put out my network there and, uh, a coach that I had played against in high school is now an assistant coach down at Dixie State University. Um, and that felt good. Um, I was, I felt like I was guided. My family was really supportive of, of that decision. And, um, you know, I had the chance to, to go down there. That's, that's where I met my wife. Right. Finally got some time on the hardwood, which was wonderful. Um, after sitting out one more year, just as a, a loophole, if you've, when you go to your third school as a college athlete, you have to sit out one year. You're not immediately eligible and it counts against you as well. Really? Yeah. So, so you don't get that year back. Don't get that year back. So that was my So the four years you can play, you could actually only play three. Right. And my first my year at Weber after my mission, that did count. That counted. I did play. So you only had two years left. Very sparingly. 
first year at Dixie was Couldn't play. practicing. Um, <laughs> it was like you're redshirting, but you weren't redshirting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I, I had my, my last two years there. Um, junior year was a great experience. Um, my senior year, uh, over the Christmas holiday, actually, I broke my foot. Mm. Um, so the last... That's you know, right in season, too. Yeah. So the last last part of that season, you know, I spent... Were you like a, snowboarding or something? No. Um, you know what? I think... Don't tell me you tripped on a sock or something. It was... Uh, if it's something dumb like that, make something up. So it was something dumb like that. But I will say, in my defense... <laughs> That uh, it was kind of an injury that I think had been kind of coming on over time, mm-hmm. and then I I stepped on an uneven surface at a hotel, believe it or not, and uh, that was kind of the traumatic event that helped that stress fracture, you know, kind of break free. So that was you know that was a tough experience. That's like um, a six weeks heal though, isn't it? At least you know what it was. It was closer to eight to ten weeks. That puts you in March Madness. So I, uh, you know, worked hard, worked with the, the medical staff there at Dixie. They take, re- they took really good care of me there. Um, and we got to the point where I could come back and play on senior night, on our last regular season game at home. And, uh, I came in, I scored two quick buckets and then coach called a timeout and pulled me out of the game. <laughs> so that was kind of my, my, my flavor of that. And in the first game of our conference tournament, um, I went up to get a rebound and came down on someone's foot. Broke it again? Rebroke it. Mm. Exact same spot there. So, um, not. How, how did that, how did that affect your depression? Did it at all? I'm sure it did a little, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Whitney would probably be maybe a, a kind of a, a third person, a third point of mm-hmm. view, third party there that, uh, could kind of lend some perspective on the differences of when I was playing versus not. I remember that it was really difficult um, to get through. Um, that good old why question comes up. Mm-hmm. Why did this happen to me? Um, this has been my whole life dream. Why yep. Why did I have to be injured right, you know, in this kind of golden prime moment of, you know, my senior year of college? You shouldn't have tried to jump. I shouldn't have tried to jump. <laughs> <laughs> should have known it, right? <laughs> Um, but I, I think, I think at that point there were, there were kind of other things going on. I was, I was married, so Mm -hmm. I was, I was really enjoying. uh, You had a better support system. Yeah. So great support system. Um, Whitney's been absolutely amazing in that regard. Really, really grateful for her support and, uh, always being willing to lend a listening ear. Um, it's, it hasn't been easy. Um, Whitney's, uh, Whitney's a really a really happy person. And so that empathy piece is something that's come over time mm-hmm. and, uh, just really grateful for her, you know, hanging in there with me. Um, just as, as change, you know, comes up and I'm, I'm someone that's pretty easy to get overwhelmed or different things uh, along those lines. Um, but, uh, as far as, you know, finishing up basketball there, I had this job lined up down in Arizona that I was really excited about. Um, I had school that I was trying to trying to finish up, and uh, you know, basketball kind of it was different than what I had dreamed it would be. Mm-hmm. But I had I had a lot of great experiences during that, and I think it guided me to where you know I needed to be to to meet particular people that have certain experiences, um, to meet my wife. So I, I think it played the role that it needed to in right. my life. Even So you were good not going to the NBA? Um, I mean, obviously you wanted to. But. I think that, uh, that, that was probably after the University of Utah that that kind of realization dawned on me. Like, wow, there's some really talented athletes right. out there. And as you know, great as I was, as an all-state guy, Gatorade Player of the Year right. from Idaho, and it just kind of splashing onto that scene and realizing I was a, a big fish in a little Idaho and pond. Um, Mm -hmm. that was, that was kind of when I crossed that bridge. Um, but, uh, so once, once you played at university of Utah, you kind of realized that's not going to happen probably. 
Yeah. And then, I mean, there's people from smaller schools like that that go and play overseas. I right. toyed around with the idea of playing in Chile, mm-hmm. um, which would have been really fun to go back and kind of meet meet the re- reconnect with the people that I that I met during my mission down that way. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think during the, just during the course of my time in college, um, I, I really liked my coursework and figured that I, I wanted to go out and kind of as boring as it sounds, get a nine to five for once and, uh, you know, dress up and go to work and see what that was all about. So, um, I think having something lined up and, and something to look forward to and a, and a new chapter to, to go towards was, but that was you, helpful. Wouldn't you say like a seven to nine would be a better job, you know, 7 PM to 9 PM and you make hundreds of thousands of dollars for those two hours. Yeah. That's a fair I mean, point. Um, <laughs> And that would be good. Part of my uh, part of my role, and you wear a suit. Sure. Part of my role there at uh, at the company that I worked for right after college was uh, it was working with uh, people that had uh, you know a pretty petty in mm-hmm. the bank with us. So a couple of pro athletes, you know, old uh, you know executives from a lot of companies that we're all familiar with. So that's been an interesting part of my time there. Is again this this comparison thing that comes up that, right you know what it i i have to be okay with the fact that i might not be a fortune 500 ceo yep. someday um, me either yeah and uh i don't know I, I think a lot of times that that competitive drive in me can can really it can get uh it can get a little tricky sometimes because i think it's it's great to have ambition I think that drives us, you know, in the right direction. It, it inspires us to work hard, to support our families, to develop ourselves. But it has to it has to be reined in. You know, it can't just run wild. Right. Um, because, you know, at some point you're going to be really, if if you don't end up at the upper echelon and everyone on planet Earth is just looking at you and saying like, "Wow, Josh is literally like the most perfect He's human being." He's yeah. it. Like, that's. He's the best since sliced bread. Best since sliced bread, exactly. So, I think, as as conceited and strange as that sounds, Lee, I <laughs> I think somewhere there deep inside that competitive drive wants that, right? And that's that's kind of the source of everyone wants to be the best, though, right? You don't think so? I don't know. Like you want to be the best at whatever you do, right? You want to be the best financial guy you can be, right? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to. I want to be the best, whatever, best roofer, best flyboard guy, best podcaster, whatever. Sure. Right. That's the that's the end goal. But 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 there can only be one, and I'm not that one. (laughs) But like, but think about. Well, I'll give you an example because yeah, a lot of us. um, If you're competitive, yeah, there's people that aren't competitive that couldn't care less. And they're the ones that are super successful because they don't care. So my Probably. my wife is actually pretty competitive, but I, I think her dream, you know, where do you I, like race to the car? You like race to dress your daughter? I don't think race to get up in the middle of the night to take care of your daughter. I don't think we're hey. quite to to that point. Um, but uh, like Whitney's Whitney's ideal kind of her dream is to live on a small street. A small, quiet street there in southern Utah, with friends and family close around, and just to be, to be, to just to live. Like what are that. you doing? What are you doing with life then? If that's her dream, go get it. We should go get it. Um, she would love you more if you did that. That's that's fair. That's uh, that's on the table here. I know it's hard to believe, but she she would. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm I'm quite convinced of that, Lee. The truth <laughs> of what you said there. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Whitney, and this is great for me, Whitney kind of laughs at me when I say, man, I just, I listened to this uh, podcast, the CEO of this huge financial firm, and I just don't know if I'm ever going to measure up to that. And she'll kind of, you're pretty funny, dude. Just so she's been a, you know, a great influence in my life that way and, and kind of helped to accelerate that process of telling my psyche to chill out every once in Can't a while. Can help you recognize that, hey, this isn't this isn't a good thought. This is let's be realistic. Yeah. 
Yeah. And let's be the best Josh we can be. Well, that's, I mean, that's a great example. Um, maybe it's not a great example. That's a pretty conceited thing. To say, well, everyone right? should be the best they can be, right? Not everyone can be Michael Jordan. Yeah. They just can't. But like, maybe let's take that last example that I gave that, that podcast. So, you know, I listened to someone who's had a great deal of success in my industry. They're very sharp. They're recognized mm-hmm. as an, as an authority figure. They got um, issues also. Yeah. And there are, there are two ways that I can maybe respond to that. I can be inspired by that example mm-hmm. and think about like, oh, I've never thought about that. That kind of inspires me to do some more research or to try a little harder at my job. Or the second thing is I'm never going to measure up to that. Like, like you said, you I'm, thought I'm worthless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's, that's a recent example from you know, right. this week where that, uh, that kind of, the you know the worst of ourselves the worst of myself kind of projects itself there and says like this is how you should feel about life so when whitney laughed at you about that did you change your perspective at that point did it start to inspire you or did you go wait i mean i'm still disappointed but i'm just gonna do doing what i'm doing i am working on that one of my life goals is to believe whitney like on an unqualified basis just what whitney says is gospel true. <laughs> gospel truth okay <laughs> Um, especially when it comes to, uh, yeah, just things of that nature and kind of checking that tendency to compare and that tendency to compete and the tendency to be discouraged if I don't feel like I, I can compare myself very well or I can healthy comparison is good. Yeah. Um, it's when you get into the unhealthy, I'll never be as good as X, Y, Z. Yeah, exactly. Right. How do you, how do you channel that? Instead of saying, I can't be as good as he is right as I can't be as good as he is right now, but what do I need to do to get there? Right. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, be the best you, right. be you because everyone else is taken, you know? So, um, so what have you, what things have you learned from these hard times with depression? Just a few. I've learned that focusing on others, serving, um, serving mm-hmm. can help us, uh, can help us, it can help put our, our own problems in perspective. Staying busy. It's probably staying, another thing. Staying busy is good. And, and knowing when you're too busy, mm-hmm. um, knowing how to, how to say no, mm-hmm. um, knowing how to balance things imperfectly. Um, because, you know, the three or four, you know, main things on my agenda, you know, spending time with my family, um, my my religious obligations, and that's, you know, on a personal level, kind of what I want to do and then serving others, uh, work, um, and then kind of the, the academic side, I have a couple of, you know, things that I'm pursuing in that regard. So you kind of have four things that you're, that you're kind of focused on and I, th- I feel like any one of those things could be my full-time job. Mm-hmm. Like it could 40 hours a week. Like that, have you ever juggled? Time. Um, I'm actually rubbish at juggling. Me too. Have you ever tried to juggle four balls? <laughs> it's I, significantly harder than three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you should cut out, but oh, man. I would try three. Yeah. <clears throat> you need work. You need your family. Mm-hmm. That just leaves the last two academics or religion. Yeah. So when I think about trying to juggle for, okay, it's fine. That's fair. It's fine. So it can uh, be done because people do it. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm obviously being facetious, but I think it's like, it's important in that regard to not compare myself to the, you know, the single people that aren't religious. Right. And, and and are cutthroat. Not aren't religious, but maybe maybe don't have as much going on mm-hmm. outside and just like love work. Work is their passion. Right. So when I'm at work, I have to be careful to say like I that's that's not a fair comparison. It's right. not fair, you know, in, in that regard. That um, doesn't mean you can't get to where they're at though. Yeah. And and that's where, you know, my personal belief is that like if we put if, if they if they don't have a relationship, like if they don't have a family, and their all their whole focus is on work, you know they could 
outwork, overwork themselves and, and get depressed or right. very anxious and that could hurt detriment them where mm-hmm. if you get in that situation, you have a support system already there yeah. that would help. So yeah. you have benefits. And I think, you know, even the, the part of volunteering, you know, mm-hmm. with, with important organizations, be they religious or otherwise, it, it's important that we, even though it's work, it's still, it still helps you stay centered sure. where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And I, so. I have to keep myself in check in that department right? and make sure that like, okay, yeah, maybe I didn't send out as many emails or visit, you know, every enough people, or every whatever. young person, right. you know, that I, that I have responsibility for, but you know, I, I, you know, tried to plan a, a decent activity right. for the week. Um, I smiled and shook hands and asked, uh, asked people how they were doing and tried to let them know that I really care about them. And right. you know, that, that I have to say that that's enough, you know, Do your best and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and just making sure that that definition of your best is reasonable and factors in the fact that you're juggling four things that you need a decent amount of sleep every night and that you have a, a little girl that maybe interferes with that sometimes. Yep. So, um, um, yeah, I think doing your best, that's, that's one of those phrases that I, I mean, me personally, I, I have to really be even careful. Even when you do your that. best, don't you, do you feel like you did your best though? Like even when I feel like I, like, I'm like, Oh, well I did my best. And then I'm like, but, but I failed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get everything done. So I didn't do my best then. I, cause I, I should have been able to accomplish that. That's always tough for me. Yeah. Uh, I bet I think that, I think that's tough for everyone. I think everyone deals with that to mm-hmm. some extent. To varying degrees. So, yeah. What, what do you, uh, what do you want to be remembered by? Ooh, are we talking like eulogy? I'm like talking just, what do you, what do you want people to remember you by? You know, I would like to be someone who, I think about that in terms of relationships. Like I want to be remembered by my family as someone who was loving, someone who, who really cared about people. Um, you know, from a work standpoint, I'd like to feel that way about um, the people that I work with, the clients that I serve, someone, um, you know, in, in my church responsibilities, I'd like to be someone who was, uh, you know, quick to smile and quick to ask how you were doing. Um, maybe someone that in someone's moment of need, you know, was just so happened to be in the neighborhood or, right. you know, felt a little prompting to swing by and say hello. Those, those to me have been some of the, the most sweet moments in, you know, service, whether it's as a missionary or, or otherwise. Um, and yeah, I, I think it comes back to, to family. You know, I want to be, I want to be a family man. I want to, uh, make great memories, uh, with my, my, my little daughter, Lydia, with future kids that Whitney and I are blessed with. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that's the, the backbone, if you will, of mm-hmm. a really satisfying life is, is spending that time with family and, and making sure that those relationships get the time and the focus that they really deserve. So I remember back in, uh, 2004, I went to, I went to Reno, Nevada to go to this training for work. I was starting a new job. Mm. And they sent us this training and it was, um, I don't even remember what it's called now, but we had to do an, an experience and it was very difficult. We had to write our own eulogy. Uh-huh. You ever done that? You know, I haven't. You should try it. Okay. And be like a hundred percent honest, like what, what you're going to be remembered, like what people are going to remember. It's a very, uh, heart wrenching experience. Wow. But it kind of puts you into perspective where, where you are and where you want to be. Cause you're, you're writing about what your eulogy will be in however many years, right? Yeah. 50 years or yeah. whatever. It's interesting. Yeah. We attended, uh, two funerals in the last year. Um, two of Whitney's grandparents passed away, um, lived during the great depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, My dad did too. Several jobs. Um, grandpa June, uh, you know, worked at the post office mm-hmm. for a, a big part of his career. But wow. What a powerful funeral. Yeah. Um, so 
not a fortune 500 CEO. Nope. Um, you know, wasn't incredibly wealthy or, um, you know, he was wealthy where it mattered or anything that way. But you know, the, the, the turnout at his funeral, the, the experiences and the feelings that were shared by his family members, that just, that's incredible. So, yeah. um, grateful. I encourage for, you to try that. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting experience. Yeah. So. I, I didn't realize that homework was going to be a part. No, of this, no, you uh, don't. I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to follow up on it. <laughs> I'm no teacher. I'm just saying it. I found it interesting to do. Yeah. It was very difficult. It was very, uh, tear jerking. It was interesting. So, wow. No, I think it would definitely be a and, powerful experience. And it would be a lot different if I did it now than I did then. So, hmm. What do you think? Uh, oh, well, I've changed since then, right? Sure. So I, you know, I've, I see things a little differently. So it's different. So yeah. Yeah. it would be a, a, a lot different experience. Hmm. So, well, I thank you for coming on today. Appreciate it. Being so open, sharing your experiences, your hardships, your your struggles. So yeah. appreciate it. I think, I think a lot of people will find it um, very helpful, insightful. Um, something that something that people that struggle with depression definitely will understand what what we're talking about. Yeah, and, um, and those that don't struggle much can kind of get, get an insight, and maybe a little, hmm. um, maybe able to help someone that does struggle with it more. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate it. No, been a pleasure uh, coming on, Lee. Uh, I, Kyle, I've uh, I've had the chance to listen to a few other episodes. You know, mm -hmm. people we know in common here. Um, which ones have you listened to? For perspective. So, uh, Kathy and Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, the Littles. The Littles. Uh, I know Rush and, and, mm -hmm. and Mason. Bishop. Uh, and Todd's. So, I know that uh, my. Uh, I'm still in. Did you listen to the first one? Yes. I'm, you did. Okay. I'm halfway through that. And uh, I justified that because I feel like I got uh, the, <laughs> the version during our super activity there. <laughs> but. Uh, Another yeah. good one. Um, the one that I did with Tim Warnock was really good. It's three hours though. So yeah. like three and a half hours. Okay. Really good though. And the webs, Great. Stephen Aaron Webb, they're really, it's a really good one. Okay. That, that, Stephen Aaron Webb is the, actually the most listened to one huh. I have so far. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm early in the innings here. So, uh, I, <laughs> well, don't feel obligated to listen, but, uh, just um, a shout out to those, like, uh, you know, the littles, just a really impactful experience. Um, Russian Bishop, you know, of, right been through a lot and just really inspiring examples i'm yeah. hoping to follow in their footsteps you, know, <laughs> you did great lies ahead so you know nothing uh the reason their experiences are so good is because they're their experiences that they went through so mm -hmm. and it's the same with yours the reason it's going to be good is because you've actually struggled with it and you've went through it it was a trial so yeah um if you're making up stuff yeah it's not going to be as good <laughs> that's just the way it is because it's not from the heart and people can tell so mm. I do appreciate you coming on, though. Uh, it was great. So um, for my listeners out there, um, you can go listen to this on anchor, uh, anchor.fm slash Lee Steele. Um, <clears throat> you can also leave a message if you'd like to potentially make it on the podcast or if you have suggestions um, of topics that you would like me to go over. You can do that. You can listen to the podcast on Apple, Google, um, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. So encourage you to um follow the follow the the podcast and uh listen to episodes so appreciate it we will see you later bye <laughs>